Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. When news broke last week that unvaccinated tennis player Novak Djokovic was trying to get into Australia with a medical exemption that wasn't considered valid for a work visa, it sent the country into a spin. Breaking news, tennis star Novak Djokovic's visa to enter Australia has been cancelled. The world's best tennis player was refused entry to Australia to play at Melbourne Park. It's prompted a blame game locally and extraordinary fallout has been felt around the world. How dare he try and play the system that we've been adhering to for years now? But is there more to this story than just one very privileged man trying to get around COVID restrictions? Today, we look at the politics of COVID, sport and Australian borders and consider whether, with an election on the horizon, was this all just a very timely distraction? There's a lot going on in Australia right now. Between COVID cases, hospitals being overrun, the COVID testing system melting down and every person and his or her dog having to isolate, breaking down the supply chain across the country, we're looking at a ton of things that can potentially make us feel angry or scared right now. Enter Novak Djokovic. Last week, the world number one men's tennis player posted to his near 10 million Instagram followers a Happy New Year message, saying he was now heading down under with an exemption permission. The admission sent Aussies into an angry spiral. How was a noted anti-vaxxer allowed to enter the country when so many of our fully vaxxed friends and family are still unable to come here? Why did we sacrifice so many milestones, the ability to grieve with our families or time spent with those who may have little time left, only for this guy to get special treatment? Everyone started to weigh in on the issue. Fellow players, including Rafael Nadal, called on to give their perspective on whether the unvaccinated player should be allowed to take to the court. If he wanted, he will be playing here in Australia without a problem. No, He knew the conditions since a lot of months ago. Djokovic was detained on arrival in Australia, spending the night at the airport in Melbourne being questioned before being placed into a detention hotel, his visa cancelled by Border Force officials. His legal documents show discussions between the player, Tennis Australia and the federal and state governments. A medical exemption from Tennis Australia and the Victorian government allowed him to play. And he claims an email from Home Affairs says his visa paperwork all seems okay. The Victorian government says it wasn't them who allowed him to get on the plane and head down under. Visas are handled by the federal government. It doesn't say Victoria on the Australian passport. It says Australia. Tennis Australia says they have no power to approve a visa. That's the federal government's territory. Every single week we were talking to Home Affairs, we were talking to all parts of government to ensure that, one, we were doing the right thing and we were on the right process with one of these exemptions, but knowing also that everyone coming in had to be vaccinated. But the Prime Minister then tweeted that Mr Djokovic's visa had been cancelled. Rules are rules, especially when it comes to our borders. 
No one is above these rules, making it sound like they weren't responsible for the issue either. Whatever people might tell you, what matters is what you are responsible for when you arrive at the border. So what's the reality here? Who is really responsible for allowing this to become headline news across the globe, causing potential international tensions? Or is the discussion about who's responsible just directing our gaze away from other issues happening in Australia right now? Because with almost every story this year, we have to remind ourselves that 2022 is an election year and there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Mark Kenny is an Australian Studies professor at the Australian National University's College of Arts and Social Sciences. He's also host of the weekly politics and public affairs podcast, Democracy Sausage, with Mark Kenny. Mark, there is so much focus on Djokovic's documentation and who's responsible for what. What's actually going on here? What's the spin? Is it just trying to take our attention away from something else? Look, people are going to have different views about that. There's no doubt that you can track the national debate last week as being completely dominated by discussion of rapid antigen testing, the sort of mismatch between the government's rhetoric about personal responsibility and about swinging the emphasis in pandemic management from PCR testing to rapid antigen testing, which, of course, are self-administered tests and self-funded as well to a large extent. You could see that debate raging, raging to the detriment of the government, of course, because there are too few rapid antigen tests for supply. They are expensive. They're a case of price gouging. And then at a certain critical moment, that debate suddenly gives over to the discussion of Novak Djokovic being detained at the border, having his visa cancelled, and you know the ongoing discussion of that since, the legal case that is afoot even as you and I speak. So... From one level, that just instantly fuels cynicism and the suspicion that you know a government that's always looking for a diversion has found one quite quickly, and it's done so in the safety of border policy. You know, border theatrics, a sort of strong borders branding that surrounds Scott Morrison and the Conservatives generally is a safe space for them. They knew that there was unpopularity around Novak Djokovic coming after the tennis ace tweeted that you know he'd been given approval and he would be coming to Melbourne to defend his crown there and to seek, I think, a 10th Australian Open on the 21st Grand Slam, which would make him statistically the greatest tennis male tennis player in history. So the federal government read all of that and decided to cancel his visa. Now, was there political interference? Was there any political element in this? Or was this just officials applying the law as they see it in a way that showed no fear or favour? All of this is a matter of subject in the court, but in the court of public opinion, I think there's a fair amount of division and a good deal of cynicism, as your question quite rightly indicates. Well, have we decided to make an example of Novak Djokovic? Because we know that other players had already entered the country unvaccinated and who are already playing in warm-up tournaments, and we've already deported Renata Vorokova for the same issue. Why did we have to wait for Novak Djokovic to make an example here, you think? That is a good question, and I don't know that we're ever going to get a completely clear answer about that because it might be that there is politics involved here or it might be that there just wasn't sufficient attention paid to these circumstances. It's been really unclear for Australians watching on, indeed for Serbians and others watching on, really, to work out who had authority at what point, who overstepped their authority or underplayed their authority or whatever happened here. But Clearly, Tennis Australia is now saying that it 
pleaded with the Commonwealth, with Border Force, to assess Novak Djokovic's application for a visa before he actually got on a flight. And I think he boarded in Dubai and travelled to Australia before he got on that flight. The suggestion was from Tennis Australia that Border Force should be assessing his visa in case there were any problems just to avoid the sort of thing we've seen here. And that was rebuffed, that that was an option that Border Force didn't take up. And yet when the tennis star has got here, it's all fired up. Another question I suppose we might ask, and perhaps this goes to why we've seen more attention on Novak Djokovic than on a couple of other people who've come in with quite similar circumstances, is that Djokovic is the world number one and he's also a well-known vaccine sceptic, someone who's not vaccinated himself as we understand it. And he did tweet in the 48 hours before he came that he'd been given exemption to come to Australia and enter unquarantined, have quarantine-free entry into Australia to play in the tournament. And, of course, this tournament's happening in Victoria, the state that suffered by far the most out of the pandemic, had the most lockdowns, most restrictions, the most hardship over a long period of time, you know, nearly two years of this pandemic. So, you know, there's a lot of circumstances here that seem to come together and Djokovic giving forewarning of his arrival perhaps has allowed politicians to gauge public reaction and then make a decision while he was in the air. Now, the federal government might come out of this looking pretty good to Australians who obviously have been through a lot, they've had their own loved ones kept away from them during this pandemic due to closed borders. But what do we then look like to our international partners? We've already seen quite a bit of backlash from Serbia and from the Serbian government. How does this look on the international stage? Let me put it this way. I think it's often overplayed, this question about Australia's reputation being damaged by the Djokovic thing because any self-respecting country has control of its own borders and does decide who can enter and who can't. The idea that Djokovic should be able to make a decision, let's not forget, make a decision to disrespect the community standard in Australia, which has been observed by over 95% of the population to get vaccinated, He's disrespecting that and deciding he doesn't need to get vaccinated. He's against it and he doesn't want to do it, yet he also wants to enter the country. So the idea that he can do that and not face any friction in getting into Australia is not one which I think is going to trouble people in the international community all that much. Whether there's been any particular singling out of the tennis star, that's obviously what the Serbian government is arguing and the Serbian community in Australia is no doubt thinking that as well, and probably a few Djokovic fans. And I've been a bit of a fan of the world number one myself, although I'm pretty unimpressed by his attitude on vaccinations and he doesn't have my support anymore. But I think, you know, generally speaking, it won't do Australia's um, reputation much harm, except probably in this sense, and that is that it makes Australia, which is already looking pretty close to the world through this pandemic, It makes Australia look pretty heartless and also a bit unreliable. I think there might be some people who would be thinking of holidaying here or students who'd be thinking of doing their university study in Australia who'd be thinking, oh, it's a pretty unforgiving place. They might actually give me a visa and I could get on the plane and then when I get there, the whole thing could be off again. You know, the impression created is that the government, in a sort of a political sense, is in charge of the borders rather than a set of objective rules being fairly applied by officials. Whether that's fair or not, I guess, almost doesn't matter. 
So there is potential for some harm there, perhaps even for foreign investment, who knows, particularly Chinese investors, but a number of others might take the view that Australia is a bit of a fickle place because there isn't quite the separation between the application of immigration law or entry law or customs law and politics and political interests. So that's not good either. But broadly speaking, I don't think people will quibble with the idea of Australia having a right to deny entry to people. As I heard someone say this morning, and this is a country that doesn't let you in if you've got mud on your boots from another country. So why Djokovic thought that he could just arrive unvaccinated and sort of game the system is for him to explain. The situation with Djokovic has also given us a prime example of privilege in its many forms, that of a very wealthy, cisgendered white man who plays sport. The public outcry and media storm for one man who plays sport becomes a deafening silence when the man in question has fled terror and tyranny instead of wielding a tennis racket. While the tennis star's supporters have fought to have him removed from the detention hotel, saying he needs better facilities, including a tennis court so he can train while waiting for an answer to his case, there are people who have been in that very same hotel for nearly 10 years with no freedom in sight. While Djokovic's supporters rally both in Australia and in his home country, Serbia, those stuck in detention limbo watch out their hotel windows at protest signs, the majority of them not supporting their plight. Ali Batterson is the owner of Human Rights for All, a non-profit law firm focusing on international human rights issues, specifically those relating to long-term detained and complex case asylum seekers. Ali is currently working to help a number of men who've been detained at the Park Hotel alongside Djokovic and has herself played a fundamental role in airlifting hundreds of people who helped the Allies out of Afghanistan after Kabul fell in the hands of the Taliban in 2021. That includes one man who helped Allies in a forward operating base who set himself on fire because his situation in detention has become so desperate. Ali says getting people out of that hotel is incredibly difficult. Australia's laws and government policy are stacked against anyone who is detained under the Migration Act. And my clients and friends are refugees and stateless people, and it is particularly stacked against them. I was involved in the Kabul uplift of getting over 110 people out of Kabul as the Taliban were taking over from the airport. That is easier or was easier than getting people out of immigration detention in Australia. It's really extraordinary. Well, can you tell me who some of these people are? Because from many people's perspective, they're just people from another country who are here without the right documentation. That's the limit that they know about who they actually are. You're representing a few people in that hotel. Who are these people? So I represent four people at the moment in the Park Hotel. The Park Hotel holds people who have been brought to Australia from our Australian-run offshore detention centres in Nauru and Manus Island and PNG. They have been security cleared before they come here. They have legitimate medical reasons to be here. And the vast majority of them have been found to be refugees and therefore in need of protection. Now, under Australian law, Despite the propaganda that comes out of our government, it is not illegal to seek asylum in Australia arriving by boat or without the correct documentation. It is a fundamental human right, and Australia has agreed that it is a fundamental human right by signing up to the Refugees Convention 
and by being a member of the UN and this right to seek and enjoy asylum is enshrined in the UN Charter. So it's entirely lawful what they did to come to Australia for recognition of their refugee status. And what we did was send them to what is truly accurately described as hell holes on Manus Island and Nauru before they became so sick that they had to come back to Australia. When a situation like this Djokovic issue comes up, and I know that one of the detainees there, Media Lee, has been tweeting about how annoyed he is because he's been constantly contacted by media to comment on the situation and there are people outside holding signs to free Novak. Does attention like that actually help or hinder their situation, you think? So he's actually my client. He is a delightful young man. He and his cousin Adnan arrived in Australia as unaccompanied minors when they were both 15 years of age. They both have their refugee statuses recognised and they have never been free as adults. If you can imagine what you were doing when you were, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, it's very different to their experiences. And in fact, they're in court at the moment. We've got an action for them fighting for them to be freed in another country. And the Australian government is trying to block that. So the people I represent are in such a difficult position that the publicity can't hinder what's going on for them. Mady's already been detained for nine years. I mean, how can it get much worse other than time extending? And I think it's important for listeners to know that in Australia, we have no right to liberty, not citizens and not people without visas. And there's no right to legal representation. So you can find yourself with your liberty taken away, you know, and if you don't have adequate resources, you're stuffed. You're just stuck in a detention centre for year on year on year. Other than putting things on social media, what can we as Aussie citizens who are concerned about those people who are being held in that hotel, can we actually physically do anything to help? There are a number of things that listeners can do. So the government is responsive to public pressure. And I think that is what happened in the Djokovic case. You had the Prime Minister say that Djokovic tweeted and put on Instagram that he had this exemption and that triggered Border Force to go and look at what the exemption actually was. You can't tell me that if he didn't have an enormous number of social media followers that that would otherwise have happened. So write to your federal member. Write to Karen Andrews and Alex Hawke. Karen Andrews is the Minister of Home Affairs and Alex Hawke is the Minister of Immigration. Educate yourself. Don't just believe the government line. Understand international human rights law. Human Rights for All, which is the law firm that I'm director principal of, we have a number of resources online. And talk to your friends and family about the issues. You know, these are, on one level, very simple human rights issues. I wouldn't say that I do migration law. I do human rights law because the right to liberty is next to the right to life is the most fundamental right we have. During yesterday's hearing, Judge Anthony Kelly heard from Djokovic's lawyers who stepped out all the things he'd done to try and secure his visa here in Australia with a medical exemption from Tennis Australia and the Victorian government and the federal government correspondent showing he was told his visa application had been assessed and everything seemed to be in order, Judge Kelly asked, what more could this man have done? 
Judge Kelly ruled the visa was cancelled unfairly and ordered Djokovic to be removed from hotel detention. But the saga isn't over yet. Immigration Minister Alex Hawke is considering whether there's still grounds to cancel his visa. He could use his ministerial discretion to remove him from the country. One of Ali's clients has been going through a similar court hearing for four years now. And while Novak Djokovic won't spend years locked up in the Park Hotel, he's got one thing many of the people still shut inside don't, a safe and welcoming country to return to whenever he chooses. This episode of The Quickie was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if there's a new story you'd like us to look into, please shoot us an email, thequickie at mamamia.com.au, or you can find us on the socials. We've got Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even Mamma Mia podcasts on TikTok. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.